Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study every Sunday morning, and that's for those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. But we're not talking about just the people in the Omaha area where the Sunny Slope Church of Christ is located, but we're talking about people all over the world. We know there are people who are in this area who cannot be with us in person at the designated times of our services for various reasons. Maybe they have a job, a job situation that their schedule conflicts with the times that we meet, or maybe they have a health issue or a physical problem that they can't get out, whatever it might be. But we know that there are also people across the country and literally around the world who want to be in God's Word. They want to learn the Bible But because of where they live, obviously, they cannot be with us in person. And so we're thankful to be able to teach God's Word through the vast medium of the Internet and by means of these podcasts to everybody who wants to tune in and listen and learn more. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And so the more we get into God's Word, the stronger and deeper our faith should be. We hope that is working for you as you study with us through these podcasts, these Bible studies, through the media, through the medium of the internet. Now, we encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can regularly through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. You know people in your life, undoubtedly, who need to grow in their faith. Help them to do so by getting them into God's Word by sharing these studies with them. You may even help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be, both for them and for you. Now, also encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, click on the podcast button, sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. And when they do that, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer or whatever they choose, they will receive a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, a Monday through Friday daily radio program called Search the Scriptures, and a seven day a week short Bible study that we call today's Bible class. Usually only about 13 or 14 minutes long, but it's every day keeping us in God's word. And again, that's important for our faith. So tell everybody you can, and take advantage of this opportunity yourself. We're going to get back into our study from the Old Testament. Now, in our Sunday morning, uh, in our Wednesday night Bible class, we've been going through New Testament books of the Bible, and we are actually a little over halfway through the gospel account according to John right now. In the old and the Sunday morning Bible classes, we've been studying through the first several books of the Old Testament, and we've gone a long way already. We've gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and we're going to pick up a study of Ruth. Now, this is a very short book, and it helps, it, it, it focuses on a few characters from Old Testament history, but it also helps us understand um, how God, through the Old Testament law of Moses, how he guided people in his will to live righteous lives. We understand more of the, the culture of, of that day when we look at some of these accounts. Ruth being, again, just a short four-chapter book, but it's a love story. And it's not only a love story between 
a man and a woman, Ruth and a man named Boaz, but also it's a love story between Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And what a great, what a great story it is. Now, let's begin reading with chapter 1 and verse 1. It came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. Now, remember, we just finished the book of Judges. And as I pointed out, for many years, hundreds of years, there was no king in, in Israel over all of Israel. God did not want his people to have a king like all the nations around them because he wanted their, their identity with him to be primarily a spiritual identity. He wanted them to be his spiritual people, not just another national geographic uh, group of people. He wanted them to be his special people. He designed them that way. He gave them their law. It was a spiritual law. But ultimately, and that'll come later, ultimately, they, they... petition or they, they they want God they want Samuel the prophet of God to to give them uh, or to, to appoint over them a king like all the nations and God was disappointed in his people because he wanted them to see him as their king but he told Samuel at that point and that would be in first Samuel he told Samuel go ahead and do it appoint for them a king but tell them what's going to go along with that there's going to be challenges for them. And ultimately, later on, some of the kings would lead the people of Israel into unfaithfulness to God and and into the worship of idols, ungodly worship of idols. Well, we come back to Ruth. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. So this is during that time while there were no kings in Israel. When the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, uh, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were, were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem. So they were Israelites. Judah of Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Melon and and Chilion also died, so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. So we would look at this as something of a tragedy, undoubtedly, in, in our time today, in our culture. Here is a woman. She marries a man. She has a husband. They have two children, two sons, and first her husband dies, and then her two sons die. And so she's left alone without her bloodline, as, and that is her husband and her two sons, but she does have some daughters-in-law. Now, these daughters-in-law are from a different nation, though, a different country, Moab. 
And so they are not Israelites indeed, and they are not really followers necessarily, at least fully, you know, of, I, I think we're, we can understand, of God, of, of the law of Moses that God gave to the Israelites. Now, verse 6, we go on. Then she arose, that is, Naomi arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. <clears throat> now, the reason Naomi and her husband, and ultimately the sons also would, 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 would be there, why they left Israel was because there was a famine. There was a famine in the land. But they'd spent some time in Moab. But now her husband, her two sons are both dead, and she has heard that God has blessed the nation of Israel again. The famine is past, and now they have food. So therefore she went out from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her father to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. I think we can understand that Naomi loved her two daughters-in-law. But she recognized as she's going back to Judah, back into the geographic boundaries of Israel, that her daughters-in-law are not of that nationality. They're, they're Moabites. And so she tells them, now, basically, I'm going back home. You go back to your, your family home. You go back to be with your family. Um, and this must have been somewhat difficult for her because they were the last of her immediate family. Her husband was dead. Her two sons were dead. All that was left with her were her two daughters-in-law. But now also we need to understand the culture of that day to the extent that a widowed woman, and here were three widowed women, Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, a widowed woman in the culture of that day and that part of the world, she was up against it. You know, there were not, there were not the social programs and bureaucracies that we're used to in our country to step in and, and, and help widows. There was not the societal mindset that, that okay, here, here are three widows. We need to take care of them in some way. We need to provide for them and with some kind of government sustenance and so on. No, they were pretty much on their own. Now, there, was provision, there were provisions in God's law but it was, it, it was not what we're used to today. Women in general in the culture of that part of the world in that period of time were not on the equal basis that we uh, look upon women as being with men, in, in, again, in our country today. So here are three widowed women, and they're up against it. They're, they're going to have to find some way to take care of themselves. And so probably with that particular mindset, Naomi says, girls, you need to go back home. You need to go back home. Your husbands are dead. My husband's dead. I'm going back home. You need to go back home. So 
In verse 9, the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in, in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Now, I, I think we can understand the two daughters-in-law loved their mother-in-law, and their mother-in-law loved her daughters-in-law. But she was facing reality here, a kind of reality that we're not used to. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? And so here's part of the law of Moses. If a man was was married and he died and his wife survived, then his brother could marry his wife and actually bear children in the name of the dead brother. Now, that might sound strange to us, but that was the culture and that was part of the law of Moses in that day. And, and so Naomi is saying, I, I'm too old to bear any more, any more sons. And even if she could bear more sons, think about how much time would have to pass before they'd get old enough that they could actually marry her daughters-in-law, the widows of her former sons. And so she asks the rhetorical question there, um, you know, when they say, we're going to return with you to your people. Well, she says, uh, turn back. Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? And then verse 12, turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the land or that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And she's saying, I'm too old to have another husband through whom I could bear sons. And, but even if I could, would you wait all those years for them to get old enough to marry you, to take you as their wives? She says, no, you know, and, and she feels for her daughters. And, and so she recognizes they're still, they're still young enough. They can remarry. And so she's encouraging them, them, encouraging them to go back to their, their original homes, back to their country. Um, in verse 14, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And the sense being here, Orpah went back home to her people. Ruth was not going to leave her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people. That is Naomi talking to Ruth. She says, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Now, this is little, this is lowercase g. She's gone back to her people who are idol worshipers. Return after your sister-in-law. We might question here, just how deep was Naomi's commitment to the one and only God when she tells her daughters-in-law, and here she's encouraging Ruth, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to their gods, their idols. Now you go back. You go back too. Uh, return after your sister-in-law. 
Naomi should not have encouraged Ruth to go back to worship idols. Now, she might have said, go on back, but you remember the one true God we've taught you about. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. And, and here's a great statement, and this has been repeated and written about and preached on for, for hundreds of years. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and, and your God, my God. Now, Ruth is making a statement of commitment here. Now, maybe she had, she had become more fully ingrained in the faith of the one true God than her sister-in-law had. I, I don't know. But Ruth is, is making a commitment here to her mother-in-law, but also to God. And so she says, I'm, I'm not leaving you. Wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people, they'll be my people. And your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. I'm not leaving you. I'm going to stay with you. And your people, they're going to become my people. Your culture, that's going to be my people. Uh, My culture, your God you worship, I'm going to worship your God. I'm going to stay true. There will, there will, I will be buried. Wherever you die, I will die. There I, will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. What a commitment. How Ruth must have loved Naomi. And probably Orpah loved Naomi deeply as well. But she decided to go back home. Now, verse 18, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she, that is Naomi, stopped speaking to her, stopped trying to tell Ruth to go back home, back to her country. Now, the two, now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Now, so they had not been gone from their land from their part of the land for so long that that the people back there did not remember them anymore. No, they, they were excited to see Naomi. Is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Do not call me Naomi. And the meaning being pleasant, but call me Marah, and that meaning being bitter. Hmm. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. She's talking about, I bore sons, but my sons are dead. I had a husband, but my husband is dead. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? Well, a lot of people blame God for negatives in their life when that's not necessarily true. Life in this world, in this physical existence, is going to have negatives. It's going to be an automatic. It's part of living a physical life in this physical world. And not everything that we would consider to be negative or bad that happens to us 
is, is, is a product of God doing that to us. A lot of times it's just part of life in this world on the physical, on the physical level. And we need to understand that. Don't blame God for all of the, what you would consider to be bad things in your life. A lot, a lot of times we make bad choices that lead to bad consequences. Don't blame God for that. Look in the mirror. Learn from your experience and change your life. Now, the last verse in the chapter, verse 22. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. So they've left the land of Israel. They've gone to Moab. Naomi lost her husband, her two sons, who had been married to Moabite women. And now the one daughter-in-law goes back home to Moab, to her family, and the other, Ruth, comes back into Israel to Naomi's ultimate area of residence, but she comes back pretty empty, but Ruth has made the commitment, wherever you go, I will go. I will go. Your God shall be my God. Where you die, I shall die. And so Ruth is committed to staying with her mother-in-law. What love there must have been between Ruth and Naomi. What commitment. My, my. Isn't that a wonderful image? And unfortunately, in so many cases, that is not the image that we see between mothers-in-law and daughters-in-law today. Now, in some cases it is, but in a lot of cases it is not. There's not that closeness that ought to be there between the two women. But we can learn from Ruth, and we can learn from Naomi. Well, we'll pick up with chapter 2 next time. And again, this is just a short four-chapter book, but it's a love story. This first part of the love story is between Ruth and Naomi, daughter-in-law for her mother-in-law, and mother-in-law her love for her daughter-in-law. Let's pray. Father, help us to learn about the qualities of love from this love story that you have laid out for us in your word. And thank you for putting that in there for us to learn from so that we can understand a greater depth and fullness of love for our own lives and with our family members. Help us to be good examples of your love for us by the way we demonstrate your love through our love for others. Please be merciful with us, Father, we pray, and patient with us. Please forgive us. Please forgive us, gracious Father. And hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.